Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hi, friends, and welcome back. Appreciate you joining us today for the podcast. Got a postcard today from Perrysburg, Ohio. And this is from Norm and Kim uh, Weimer. Uh, Norm and Kim actually went with me recently to Israel, and they just had a great time. And he talks about that in his postcard. And he actually wrote a poem. I think, Norm, you're the first ever poet uh, that has come out of our Israel trips. And it's a great poem. I don't have time to read the whole thing to you, uh, but it's great. And he says, land of the Bible has changed us. The glory be to God. And uh, just a great, great encouraging note from you, uh, Norman Kim. So thank you for loving the podcast and sending me this great postcard of Ohio. And by the way, I'd love to have uh, my Everyday Truth family join me for any one of our Israel trips. The um, website is landofthebible.org. Land of the Bible. Treat that as one word, landofthebible.org. And I'd love to have you come join us on one of our trips. We are in Mark chapter 10. I think I promised you that we would finish the chapter today. So that's a big promise because I've not been moving that quickly through these uh, verses. But this is one story in Mark chapter 10, and it's a great one. So I want you to see it. Mark chapter 10, verse number 46. And they came to Jericho. Jericho is the oldest city in the world, and it's the lowest city in the world by elevation. And Jericho was significant, obviously, in the Bible for many reasons. It was the first battle that they faced when they came into the promised land. Remember, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Uh, But Jericho, uh, during the days of Jesus, was a stopping place because as pilgrims would make their way down the Jordan River Valley, when they arrived at Jericho, that's where you would kind of make a right-hand turn and begin your ascent up to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem's way up high, and uh, Jericho's way down low. So you'd go up 3,000 feet to uh, to Jerusalem, and I've actually walked along part of this, what's called the Jericho Road. So Jericho would be a stopping place, Uh, And here, the Bible says, they're going through Jericho. And as he came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. So when it says blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, that's really just a reiteration because Bartimaeus, that's what that means. Bar was a prefix that meant son of. So remember uh, Simon, son of Jonah, Simon, Bar, Jonah. That means Simon, son of Jonah. Uh, Bartholomew, Bartholomew. That means son of Tolmai. His first name was Nathaniel. So Nathaniel, Bartholomew. So here Bartimaeus is a blind man. And what's interesting is he's known only as Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. So I think the point here is that he is handicapped, he's blind. Back in Bible days, there was no special 
government allotment for blind people or for disabled people. And oftentimes they were just relegated to become beggars by the side of the road. And people that had compassion would throw them a a few shekels or whatever, uh, but they wouldn't have uh, any other means of income and certainly was not an important person, somebody that the world looked at as just kind of being cast out. And the reason why they could have that attitude was because the common thinking of the day was he deserves this. He deserves to be blind. He did something wrong. He sinned. God's judging him or his parents did something wrong. They sinned. God's judging them. And so they didn't have a whole lot of compassion on these people because they looked at them as having deserved what was going on in their life. And a great example of that is John chapter 9. Remember when Jesus passed by that blind man, ultimately that would be healed at the pool of Siloam, and the disciples asked Jesus, hey, here's this blind man, who sinned? Uh, Was it him? Did he sin? Or was it his parents? Did they sin? And remember, Jesus corrected their thinking. Uh, you don't understand that he didn't sin. That That's not the reason for his blindness. Obviously, all men are sinners. His pa- parents didn't sin. This is not a judgment, said Jesus, but that God's glory might be revealed in his life. Sometimes God allows disability. Sometimes God allows a deficiency in our life, not because he's judging us, but because he wants to get the glory in a great and powerful way against the backdrop of that disability. And that's what's happening here. So the world looks at him one way, but as we shall see, Jesus sees him through much different eyes, a different lens. And as we walk with Jesus, we ought to be seeing people through a different lens as well. So the Bible says in verse number 46 that Jesus is coming out of Jericho. He's passing by this blind man who's sitting on the side of the road because that's where traffic is. That's where his best chance of getting some, a few coins. And the Bible says in verse 47, and when he heard, isn't that special? Because he can't see. So he heard, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, what's very interesting about this is that Jesus is making his final ascent to Jerusalem. This is the last time he's going to make this trip. It's this time in Jerusalem that he will suffer and die. It's just in a few days that Jesus will walk down the Mount of Olives and the whole crowd will be crying, Hosanna, Uh, That means save now, son of David. They'll all be calling him by his messianic name. But almost as a presage to that great act of worship on Palm Sunday is this single cry from this blind man who says, thou son of David, Jesus of Nazareth, that's that's his human name and location, but you're the son of David. I, I understand you, the human being, are Messiah, the Son of God. Wow, what a statement, what a declaration of faith this is. He's crying out loud, probably almost obnoxiously. Now, I find it interesting. He, he's saying, uh, have mercy on me. In other words, I recognize you for who you are, 
I recognize me for who I am. I am a lost sinner. I am a blind man without ability, and I have I have great need. Is that not the the is is that not the prerequisite for salvation? That we understand Jesus for who he is, and we understand ourselves for who we are. And the only means of help is that he would have mercy. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve healing. I don't deserve any of it. And I think his primary point here is he wants wants to be wants to see. Now, would that be his cry normally when people would walk by? Would he normally say, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, son of David? Of course not, because Jesus isn't normally walking by. Normally, he would be asking for a coin. He'd be asking for some immediate and temporary benefit. But when he sees Jesus, he's looking for a permanent benefit. He's looking for something only Jesus can do. And watch what it says in verse number 48. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. So the crowd was not having this. Uh, They viewed him as a nuisance. They viewed him as a bother. And they told him, be quiet. But he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Nothing was going to dissuade him. Nothing was going to silence him uh, from calling upon Jesus. He knows that this is an urgent and a passing opportunity. And I'm going to make the most of it. I don't care what people think. Boy, that's a great purifier of faith, is it not? I don't care what people think. Uh, I don't care that people think I'm crazy. I don't think that I don't care that people think I'm obnoxious. It doesn't matter. I'm not here for them. I think when people truly have an understanding of who Jesus is, they have an understanding of what Jesus can do. They have an understanding of what their need is. They are far less concerned about what people think. I don't care about walking that aisle. I don't care what people think about me going to that altar. I don't care what people's assessment of my life is. I know who I am. I know who he is. And it doesn't really make a difference who you are. You don't love me. You can't help me. And even if you could help me, it would only be in a small, temporary way. So I think this man has the A1 priority and focus in this situation, don't you? Look at verse number 49. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. So uh, Jesus heard him, and Jesus stopped and, and called him. And it's interesting, that same crowd that had told him, hey, be quiet, don't bother him. Now they're like, hey, cheer up. He's actually wants you to come. Now that they know that Jesus is interested in his cry, now that they know that Jesus is not rebuking his incessant plea, now they're like, oh, this is a good thing. Isn't that funny how fickle people are? Look at verse number 50. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Great urgency. Probably his only earthly possession 
like a homeless man or like a, a beggar man was what he had on him. And he, he threw that garment aside and he came to Jesus. Now remember, he's blind. So he's stumbling his way. He's feeling his way. Maybe he's being led, but he's going to Jesus. I find the same kind of urgency when, uh, well, I, I find that urgency throughout the Bible. When people, I see the, the woman at the well that left that water pot and just, just went and told people about Jesus. I think about Peter who dove into the water when he found out it was the Lord. I mean, there's a certain urgency, isn't there? Look at verse number 51. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? What do you want? What can I do for you? Now remember, Jesus had asked this same question to James and John. What do you want? Well, we want to sit on the right hand and the left. Jesus said, I can't do that for you. Now, that this that's something that will be given of the Father. Uh, that's an improper request. But here, Jesus asks essentially the same question, but notice the purity and the correctness of the response. Verse number 51, the blind man said unto him, Lord, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Lord, I just want to see. Isn't it interesting that what people desperately want in this world many times are the things that you and I already have? How many people in this world would just love to be able to see something because they're blind and can't? How many people would just love to walk? How many people would just love to have the home that you live in for one day be able to enjoy the, the, the clothes that, that are your options to change into every morning? I mean, we really need to be grateful for the passive blessings of God in our life. Lord, that I may see. And watch verse number 52. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Your faith in my power. I did the healing. I, I do it. But, but your faith has unlocked the door to this great blessing in your life. You've understood your need. You've understood my identity. You've come in sincerity. You've asked the impossible. You've trusted me for it, and I give it to you. That's wonderful. Go your way. Go your way. You, you can see. But my favorite part of the whole story is what the man actually does. Look at verse number 52 in closing. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Now, Jesus had given him a choice. Hey, you're healed, go your way. But the man says, okay, but my way now is the Jesus way. I know I have a choice. And by the way, when you trust Jesus as your Savior, you have liberty. You can make choices for him or against him. You can use your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, and many Christians do. But one that really understands the benefit of what Jesus has done, one that really understands the nature of, the goodness of, the quality of the ministry of Jesus is going to follow him. You, you go your way. You, you can see now. But he wanted to use his sight to follow Jesus, and he did. So the point is, every good gift and every perfect gift we have is from God. But use that gift for God. He had sight. Follow Jesus with that sight. God has given you resources. Follow Jesus and use those resources for him. God's given you a spiritual gift. Use that gift for him. Whatever God has given you, then use what he has given you 
for him and follow him in your way. Great advice from the Bible, from Jesus himself, and I hope that you'll follow it. Hope you have a great day today. Thanks for listening. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.